Chapter One of A Wheel Within a Wheel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Anne Fletcher, Hobart, 2019. A Wheel Within a Wheel by Francis E. Willard. Chapter One Preliminary from my earliest recollections and up to the ripe age of fifty-three i had been an active and diligent worker in the world this sounds absurd but having almost no toys except such as i could manufacture my first plays were but the outdoor work of active men and women on a small scale born with an inveterate opposition to staying in the house i very early learned to use a carpenter's kit and a gardener's tools and followed in my mimic way the occupations of the poulterer and the farmer working my little field with a wooden plough of my own making and felling saplings with an axe rigged up from the old iron of a wagon-shop living in the country far from the artificial restraints and conventions by which most girls are hedged from the activities that would develop a good physique and endowed with the companionship of a mother who let me have my own sweet will i ran wild until my sixteenth birthday when the hampering long skirts were brought with their accompanying corsets and high heels my hair was clubbed up with pins and i remember writing in my journal in the first heartbreak of a young human colt taken from its pleasant pasture altogether i recognise that my occupation is gone from that time on i always realised and was obedient to the limitations thus imposed though in my heart of hearts i felt their unwisdom even more than their injustice my work then changed from my beloved and breezy outdoor world to the indoor realm of study teaching writing speaking and went on almost without a break or pain until my fifty-third year when the loss of my mother accentuated the strain of this long period in which mental and physical life were out of balance and i fell into a mild form of what is called nerve wear by the patient and nervous prostration by the lookers-on thus ruthlessly thrown out of the usual lines of reaction on my environment and sighing for new worlds to conquer i determined that i would learn the bicycle an english naval officer had said to me after learning it himself you women have no idea of the new realm of happiness which the bicycle has opened to us men already i knew well enough that tens of thousands who could never afford to own feed and stable a horse had by this bright invention enjoyed the swiftness of motion which is perhaps the most fascinating feature of material life the charm of a wide outlook upon the natural world and that sense of mastery which is probably the greatest attraction in horseback riding but the steed that never tires and is mettlesome in the fullest sense of the word is full of tricks and capers and to hold his head steady and make him prance to suit you is no small accomplishment i had often mentioned in my temperance writings that the bicycle was perhaps our strongest ally in winning young men away from public houses because it afforded them a pleasure far more enduring and an exhilaration as much more delightful as the natural is than the unnatural 
from my observation of my own brother and hundreds of young men who have been my pupils i have always held that a boy's heart is not set in him to do evil any more than a girl's and that the reason our young men fall into evil ways is largely because we have not had the wit and wisdom to provide them with amusements suited to their joyous youth by means of which they could invest their superabundant animal spirits in ways that should harm no one and help themselves to the best development and the cleanliest ways of living so as a temperance reformer i always felt a strong attraction toward the bicycle because it is the vehicle of so much harmless pleasure and because the skill required in handling it obliges those who mount to keep clear heads and steady hands nor could i see a reason in the world why a woman should not ride the silent steed so swift and blithesome i knew perfectly well that when some ten or fifteen years ago miss bertha von hillern a young german artist in america took it into her head to give an exhibition of her skills in riding the bicycle she was thought by some to be a sort of semi-monster and liberal as our people are in their views of what a woman may undertake i should certainly have felt compromised at that remote and benighted period by going to see her ride not because there was any harm in it but solely because of what we call in homely phrase the speech of people but behold it was long ago conceded that women might ride the tricycle indeed one had been presented to me by my friend colonel pope of boston a famous manufacturer of these swift roadsters as far back as eighteen eighty six and i had swung around the garden paths upon its saddle a few minutes every evening when work was over at my rest cottage home i had even hoped to give an impetus among conservative women to this new line of physical development and outdoor happiness but that is quite another story and will come in later suffice it for the present that it did me good as it doth the upright in heart to notice recently that the princesses louise and beatrice both ride the tricycle at balmoral for i know that with the great mass of feminine humanity this precedent will have exceeding weight and where the tricycle prophesies the bicycle shall ere long preach the gospel of outdoors for we are all unconsciously the slaves of public opinion when the hansom first came on london streets no woman having regard to her social state and standing would have dreamed of entering one of those pavement gondolas unless accompanied by a gentleman as her escort but in the course of time a few women of stronger individuality than the average ventured to go unattended later on use wore off the glamour of the traditions which said that women must not go alone and now none but an imbecile would hold herself to any such observance a trip around the world by a young woman would have been regarded a quarter of a century ago as equivalent to social outlawry but now young women of the highest character and talent are employed by leading journals to whip around the world on time and one has done so in seventy-three another in seventy-four days while the young women recently sent out by an edinburgh newspaper will no doubt considerably contract these figures as i have mentioned fraulein von hillern is the first woman so far as i know who ever rode a bicycle 
and for this she was considered to be one of those persons who classified nowhere and who could not do so except to the injury of the feminine guild with which they were connected before they stepped out but now in france for a woman to ride a bicycle is not only good form but the current craze among the aristocracy since balaam's beast there has been but little authentic talking done by the four-footed but that is no reason why the two-wheeled should not speak its mind and the first utterance I have to chronicle in the softly flowing vocables of my bicycle is to the following purport. I heard it as we trundled off down the Priory incline at the suburban home of Lady Henry Somerset, Reigate in England. It said, Behold, I do not fail you. I am not a skittish beastie, but a sober, well-conducted roadster. I did not ask you to mount or drive, but since you have done so, you must now learn the laws of balance and exploitation. I did not invent these laws, but I have been built conformably to them, and you must suit yourself to the unchanging regulations of gravity, general and specific, as illustrated in me. Strange as the paradox may seem, you will do this best by not trying to do it at all. You must make up what you are pleased to call your mind, make it up speedily or you will be cast in yonder mud puddle and no blame to me and no thanks to yourself two things must occupy your thinking powers to the exclusion of every other thing first the goal and second the momentum requisite to reach it do not look down like an imbecile upon the steering wheel in front of you that would be about as wise as for a nauseated voyager to keep his optical instruments fixed upon the rolling waves it is the curse of life that nearly every one looks down but the microscope will never set you free you must glue your eyes to the telescope for ever and a day look up and off and on and out get forehead and foot into line, the latter acting as a rhythmic spur in the flanks of your equilibriated equine. So shall you win, and that right speedily. It was divinely said that the kingdom of God is within you. Some make a mysticism of this declaration, but it is hard common sense, for the lesson you will learn from me is this. Every kingdom over which we reign must be first formed within us on what the psychic people call the astral plane, but what I, as a bicycle, look upon as the common parade ground of individual thought. End of chapter 1